listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. Turn with me to Romans 15. We've jumped ahead a couple chapters. All right, we were in Romans 12. Uh, Romans 15, the first part of it kind of summarizes what's said in 13 and 14. I do encourage you to refresh yourself and reread this, but for the purpose of today's message, we're just going to look at that verse 1. First of all, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the feelings of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Why are we here at church together to build each other up? Yes, as I mentioned last week, that's a little bit of a challenge right now. But uh, we can text, we can call, we can email, we can FaceTime, we can Zoom. We're just so blessed to be living in this particular time. Yes, amen. I think that's a great point. I'm sure everyone online is saying amen. Okay. Okay, so Christ, verse 3, did not please himself, even though he was God. We read that from Philippians 2. God came to earth because he was so great, he wanted to show everyone how great he was. Yes, but he had a higher mission than that. It is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. So Jesus came to serve. So we are here as his followers to serve. That through endurance, through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And that's the title of this message today. I think it's a very timely word for today. Endurance, encouragement, and hope. Let's say that. Endurance, encouragement, and hope. How many think that's a good word for 2020? Endurance, encouragement, hope. May the God... Verse 5, awesome verse. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The God of endurance, the God of encouragement. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Christ, the hope of Jews and Gentiles. Okay, Jesus Christ came initially to the Jewish people. He was born as a little Jewish boy. He came to fulfill the prophecies given that he would be a descendant of David the king from the tribe of Judah. And he came to reveal himself to the Jews, but it wasn't just to the Jewish people. Aren't you glad? 
I know of one person today who is partially Jewish, <laughs> Esther. She has an amazing testimony of how her mom became a Christian. Her mom saw the hope that Jesus Christ can bring. She experienced the joy, and she was a radical witness for Jesus Christ all her life. I mean radical. Esther's got some stories. Ask her later. They're great. Okay, so Jesus came for us, for the whole world. God so loved the world. This is exciting. Now, Paul really has to make this point very strongly because there were a whole lot of people in his day that were saying that it was just for the Jews. In order to become a Christian, you had to first become a Jew and go through all those rituals in order to become a Jew, which I'm not going to go into today. Praise God. We don't have to do that. We just have to believe in his name. We just have to have faith in Jesus Christ. And it says earlier in Romans that we're grafted in. We're becoming, we become part. That Abraham, Abraham becomes our father. It's a mystery. We're spiritual children. We may not have Jewish blood flowing through our veins, but we have Jesus' blood. And he was the greatest Jewish person ever born. That's what we believe. So then Paul goes through these verses, and if you read 10, 11, 12, he quotes several verses from the Old Testament. I will praise you among the nations, the Gentiles, the nations, the non-Jewish people, and sing your name. Again it said, rejoice, verse 10, O nations with his people. That's from 2 Samuel in Psalms. Verse 11, praise the Lord, all you nations. That's Psalm 117.1. And let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse, that was David's father, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, to rule the nations. In him I will give the nation's hope. That's Isaiah 11:10. So he quotes Psalms. He quotes Deuteronomy, which is part of the five books of the law that the Jews really, I mean, of their writings, those were the most important. He quotes 2 Samuel, the prophets. He quotes Isaiah, great Jewish prophet. He quotes all these sources from the whole Old Testament and says, this was God's plan all along. It's not exclusive. The gospel is inclusive. God so loved the world. And then after Paul quotes all those things to the people in Rome, because there was quite a Jewish population in Rome at that time, and I'm sure there were those that were claiming, okay, to be a good Christian, you first have to become a Jew. He's saying, no, it's for all of us. And, it made, and just, you know, imagine... <laughs> The source here, Paul, the Jew of the Jews. Paul, who was such a, a good Pharisee in his day. Paul, who knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. This wasn't just any old person on an internet blog that knew nothing about the Jewish people. This was, we read it last week from Philippians, someone who was intimately acquainted with the scriptures. He quotes these scriptures and he erupts 
into praise in verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound, which means to overflow with hope. That's the Christmas message right there. The God of hope. We serve the God of hope. We don't serve the God of despair. We don't serve the God of uncertainty. We don't serve the God of, if it happens, it happens. It is what it is. No, we have a God that has a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11 should be on your fridge, should be on your bathroom mirror. It's a great verse for the Jewish people and for us today. So we see in verse 5, he's the God of endurance and encouragement. And in verse 13, the God of hope. And in between, he's the God of all people, all nations. So we've got kind of an ice cream sandwich here. Yes, ice cream. We have praise, praise, and in the middle, who is he? He's king of the nations. He's king of the nations. All right, well, let's break this down a little bit. Not going to keep you here that long today. Number one, Jesus is our encouragement. How many need some encouragement now and then? Hey, Jesus is our encouragement. He is the God of encouragement. Now that word in Greek is so much more than encouragement. Parakaleo is someone who comes and stands with you. Someone who's right there. Someone who's close. His name, just think about one of his names, given by the prophet Isaiah, Emmanuel. God with us. He's not off in heaven somewhere on a throne, and he doesn't know what's going on here on earth. Yeah, he's there, but he's here. That's a mystery of God, how he can be omnipresent. He can be in me and in you and everywhere. In him we live and move and have our very being. He is with us now by his spirit. He sent his Holy Spirit to surround us and to live inside of us. That is a miracle. That should give us hope. That should give us joy. That should encourage us. Jesus said, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm going up. You're going to see me ascending to heaven in a cloud. I'm going to come back in a cloud. But I'm not going to leave you alone. You wait, and I'll send the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit came. And when we become believers in Jesus Christ, God sends the Holy Spirit and he manifests the Spirit in greater ways as we hunger and thirst after him and ask him to fill us. And we're told to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, that should give us hope. Jesus Christ came to earth. Just think about it. He experienced with his senses everything that we experience. 
he tasted the sweetness of the wine at the wedding of Cana. He tasted the bitterness of life on the cross. He smelled the stench at Lazarus' tomb. He felt with his fingers. He touched the people he was with. He felt the brunt of the nails piercing his skin. Jesus wept. He experienced emotions. God, the God of the universe. And Jesus rejoiced. One translation, when the disciples come back after being out on their missionary journey and seeing all the miracles, it says Jesus overflowed with joy. One translation could even be translated, he jumped up and down with joy. Wouldn't you love to see that? The God of the universe rejoicing over his children. He didn't come for a quick look around. Nice place you have here, guys. Don't really like what you've done with the place, but I'll be seeing you. No. Jesus Christ came for the long haul. He dwelled here, it says in John 1. This is the Christmas story. It's a story of encouragement. It's a story of endurance. Jesus Christ endured this planet. He felt the heat. He felt the cold. He felt the rejection. He felt the betrayal. And I believe that he literally died of a broken heart on the cross. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had never experienced separation from God like that. His heart literally broke. As he took upon himself the sins of the world as our perfect sacrifice. So encouragement is a lot more than a pat on the back or a kind word. It is those things. Those are great. But it's literally being there for somebody. And Jesus came here to be here for us. It means to come alongside, even to plead one's case in court, to be an advocate. If someone is an advocate for a people group, it means that they go and they speak out for those who have no voice. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. God with us. Emmanuel. Number two, we can endure because Jesus endured. We have his spirit living within us. He endured because of God's grace. We endure because God's grace is sufficient and his mercies are new every morning. And whatever you are going through as a believer... He doesn't promise to deliver us right there and then. Not even Apostle Paul when he cried out to be delivered from the thorn in the flesh. What was God's message to him? 
My grace is sufficient. More grace, Lord. More grace. Get us through. Take us out, amen. But until you take us out, give us grace to get through. Sometimes he delivers instantaneously. Sometimes he heals miraculously. Sometimes the answer comes before it's barely out of our mouths. Anyone got a testimony like that? Hallelujah. Sometimes we pray and pray and pray and pray. They who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And there's some waiting sometimes. Glad you're amen. We've been there. You know how we can endure? We can endure because we're not alone. Sometimes you get through something because somebody's with you in that place. We can be there for other people. God is here for us. Number three, the encouragement we receive from God through Jesus Christ, the grace we receive to endure these things give us hope. We have hope because this is not all there is. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the best moment on earth does not even compare to what it's going to be like in heaven, to what it's going to be like in glory? The very best day of your life is just the beginning of all the good things God has for you. And one day we will see Jesus... We will see him face to face. 1 Corinthians 13 says his image is dim. It's blurred right now. One day face to face. Because God sent Jesus as a baby, fulfilling all the prophecies spoken centuries before, and you can go right down the line, all the prophecies that are fulfilled. It's amazing. Because God sent Jesus, we have hope that he will send Jesus again to the earth. We have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that he will accomplish his word. We see that the plans that God had for his people from the foundation of the world, are being accomplished. And this is good news today. He not only has plans for the world, he has plans for you, and he has plans for me. We're his kids. We are a big part of what he's got going on. He has plans for us as believers. And so we give ourselves to him. Romans 12, 1. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. As we not only give himself, ourselves to him, we give ourselves to our neighbors in service, in the church and outside the church. 
Romans 13 and 14 talk about not only how we treat our brothers and sisters in the church, but how we treat our neighbors outside the church. God is fulfilling his purposes in us and through us. So biblical hope is different than just hope in general. Because biblical hope is based on a person. Not a set of circumstances. It is a choice to have hope or not to have hope. God's past faithfulness motivates us with hope for the future. That's why we are to be grateful. That's why we are to count our blessings. Because this reminds me, God, you delivered me back there. You took care of me. You're going to take care of me right now. You're going to take care of me in the future. Your love never fails. The person, our hope as believers, is based upon is the risen Jesus Christ. God raised him from the dead, so he will rescue me. He will raise all of us up. Biblical hope is defined as waiting with anticipation. God will come through. 1 Peter 1.3 says we have a living hope. The resurrected Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an, an inheritance which is incorruptible. No one can destroy what God has set aside for you and I in eternity. And every once in a while on this planet, when we get caught up in the stuff, when the pandemic won't go away, when the building's not getting finished, <laughs> setback, setback, setback. God will come through. He has made an appointment with you and I for our destiny. Yes, and that is sure. That is eternal. You see, Peter knew a thing or two about Jesus Christ, the living hope. For Peter, hope was in someone's eyes. Peter was the one that got out of the boat during the storm, and I really think that's the, if there was any Bible story that was a theme for 2020, it's Peter getting out of the boat in the storm. Jesus, is it you? Are you out there? Tell me to come. He jumps out of the boat, and he sees Jesus' eyes. And as long as he's connected, he's fine. When he gets his eyes off Jesus, he sinks. 
when you and I get our eyes off Jesus, we're going to sink. Peter knew those eyes. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, and he saw him up there, all glowing white. And he comes down the mountain. Jesus looks at him. And Peter has to admit, you're the Christ. You are the anointed one. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. But he got his eyes off Jesus so quickly. And then after all he'd been through, after he denies the person who had given him such hope, after he has even seen the resurrected Christ and looked at him in the eye, even at that point, Peter says, uh, this is a little bit too much. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to the lake. I just got to get away for a while. I can relate with Peter. Sometimes things mount up. They are overwhelming. But don't you love this story? That Jesus Christ follows Peter to the lake. And he's standing on shore. And Peter sees him. And he looks at him in the eyes. And he recommits his life. And he falls on his face. And he says, my God, it was you all along. And Peter never that we have record of, went back again. He was there in the upper room. He was there on the day of Pentecost. He was there through the early church. We hear he was in Antioch. We hear he ended up in Rome. And from there, he did get to see Jesus face to face again, more than likely martyred. He went to his death believing that to live for Christ was worth any suffering that he had to go through. And as Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Jesus Christ, our living hope. So you and I, what can we learn from this? Well, we're told that we're to overflow with hope. Let's get a picture here, a visual. One thing we have in America that's kind of a luxury in this country, those all-you-can-drink soda stations. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to fill it up only a little bit at a time, right? Okay? Because it. what happens if you don't? Overflows, fizzes over the top. It's a fine art, but each machine is different. It's a different mix. So sometimes even, even if you're, and you know, you think it's full and you walk away and you've got that much drink in there. It's all fizz. Okay, well, that overflow, that effervescent quality, 
that's what we're to do with our hope. Oh, my. What? Last week's message was called self-test, okay? You, you can look in your own heart, and I need to look in my own heart, because there are moments we all have when we're not exactly overflowing with hope. We get down. We have our moments. Bam, 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 bam. Like the dominoes fall. Before you know it, we need some encouragement. Need a little help. That's why we have community. David encouraged himself in the Lord when he had lost everything. He not only lost everything, but his men turned on him, and suddenly it was his fault that everyone had lost everything, and all he's trying to do, I mean, he, just, he was happy in the field, singing with his harp to the sheep. He's like, none of this was my idea, God. But where does he go? In that moment of deep pain, in that moment of deep loss, he encourages himself in the Lord. He regains his hope. He regains his trust. And that's where we need to go. Because I tell you what, the world needs people who are hopeful. We need people who are hopeful. And if we're going to obey the words of God, we need to overflow with hope. The overflow is for others. We are to be hope transmitters, hope transfusers. Last week we read in Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, that's endurance. Be constant in prayer, that's encouragement. Getting our encouragement from God. Encouragement, endurance, hope. They all come from prayer. They come from fellowship. They come from communion with God and communion with his people. These are three ingredients for life. These are three ingredients for survival right now. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Sometimes we got to quote it until we actually believe it, folks. Yeah? All right. So how are we going to do that? How are we going to abound in hope? How are we going to overflow? Any ideas? Help me out. Cheryl? Pray. Pray. Okay. Anyone else? Victoria, I can't hear you. Praise. Praise. Get your mind on God. Oh, that's good. That's good. Tony? Share. Okay, don't keep it to yourself. Okay, what about focus? What does it say in Hebrews 12? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Focus. Focus on the good right now. We've got to focus on the good. If there was ever a time our faith was to be tested. We've got some new homeowners in the room. Yay! 
Now my heart goes out to them because it's so awesome having a new house. Their house isn't exactly new. What year was it built? 78, same age as my son. Okay, that's 42 years old. I happen to know that. Okay, well, a 42-year-old needs some maintenance. <laughs> and there will be moments, I know, where the joy of having the home sometimes is outweighed by the joy of keeping it up. Yeah. But then you remind, I am blessed. I have a roof over my head. I'm not paying rent anymore. This is an investment. If I sell this tomorrow, I'm going to at least break even. I might make a profit. Amen. So again, there's something to praise God for no matter what. In everything, give thanks. And I believe that giving thanks, focusing on the positive, looking to Jesus, praying, praising, we've got to do it, guys. And this is such a great time of year. When we can focus on the goodness of God, he came in human form. He came humble and lowly, and he was laid in a manger. Now, a manger isn't just a wooden thing they have in Christmas programs. Okay, it's from the French word, manger. You're going to learn French today. Mackenzie's not in here. She's studying at least seven languages. Manger to eat. They laid him in a place that the animals ate from. <laughs> what a great place for a king. What a great place. You know, Jesus, you know what he told his disciples later? You need to eat from me. We need to find our sustenance from Jesus Christ from the person of Jesus. We need to be daily feeding on his word. That's how we're going to have hope. He was laid in a manger because he was the bread of life. And he was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And the wise men were guided by the light of a star. And the wise men were not Jewish people. They were from the nations. And so the king of the whole world had not just the Jewish shepherds there, but the kings of the world came and knelt before him. And the God who orchestrated all that is orchestrating all of our lives. He's working all things together for good because we love him. We're called according to his purpose. And we can overflow in hope. Amen. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. Let's just praise him right now. Just tell him. Tell him you love him. Tell him how good he is. Remind yourself. Thank you, Lord. We praise you right now. Lord, we need the hope that comes from you. And I just pray for those right now that are finding it tough to be hopeful right now. And we can understand why. There is so much coming against us right now. But God, we just declare right now that we're above that because we're in you. And you are above it all. You are above it all. So Lord, we worship you today. We worship you today.
we declare you're the king of the world. You're the king of the universe. You love us. You gave your life for us. And we put our faith and our trust in you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of the world. And as we sang earlier, love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours. If that's not the message of Christmas, I don't know what it is. So, Lord, today we just close by saying that. I am yours. I am yours. I am yours. We give you praise. <laughs>